Good morning. I apologize to the PC users out there. Uh, it was not intended to be a rip on them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you didn't catch uh, the very beginning of the video, uh, he said uh, three easy steps to getting on the internet. Uh, and then, you know, step one, step two, step three, there is no step three. Um, and that was uh, an ad pitched in 1998 when the original iMac came out. Uh, it came out in one color, and then, as many of you know, it came out in a multitude of other just wonderful, glorious colors. Uh, but one of the things that has made uh, Macintosh so successful is how uh, simple they've tried to make everything. You know, uh, they had uh, another video when the iMac first came out of somebody uh, unboxing a PC computer and trying to get on the internet. And he was like a, a college graduate or whatever. And then a the, uh, 10-year-old kid was getting an iMac out of his box and trying to get on the internet. And, and the kid won. Um, and they say it was because his dog helped him. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, we like things to be simplified, and that's one thing that, that uh, Macintosh has done really well, but uh, people are, are starting to catch that fever over and over. Uh, Google's homepage is uh, a, a huge example of that. It, it doesn't get much more simple than that. You know, Google, the search bar, and search, you know, it's very, very simple. And churches are starting to catch on to this, too. Uh, you know, we're starting to do away with, uh, you know, the seven M's of our church. Or uh, uh, one church that I, I worked at up in Washington, it had an acrostic. So every letter of the name of the church corresponded to some attribute of the church or something like that. Well, the name of the church was Liberty Ridge, okay? Uh, so trying to remember, L I. What's the second, uh, oh man, there's another I, dang it, I can't remember, I couldn't even remember them all. Um, <clears throat> and so we've moved uh, to, to more simple things. Even, even here at, at NBC, uh, we, our uh, three goals, are the three things that we're all about here at Neighborhood Bible Church are worship, community, and share. And we even used to have another word for share called glocal, but if you weren't in the know, you didn't really know what glocal meant. It's a combination of global and local. Ooh, kind of cool, right? Uh, but if, if you weren't in the know, you were like, glocal? Is that a typo? Like the first time I saw it uh, coming here at NBC, I thought it was a typo. I'm like, come on, guys, like pay attention. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're moving towards simplicity, you know? We, we love simplicity. We love making it easy. We've got so much to remember, so much going on on our minds that, that we want it just to be easier. Heck, Jesus even did this. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, flip over to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And we'll sit here for a little bit and then we'll get over into Ephesians. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 22. So here, uh, Jesus just knocked down the Sadducees. The Sadducees were coming and, and, and inquiring of him, and uh, he just had brilliant 
words to say, and, and they were dumbfounded. So starting in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Ah, he took them down, but he, he doesn't have us at all. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, okay, just to preface, there are 613 Old Testament commandments. So that's what he is referring to. He's saying, all right, 613 of them. Let's see him pick the best one. And Jesus replies so beautifully, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Talk about simplifying, right? 613 down to two. That makes it really easy to remember. Doesn't make it any easier to do. But in our passage this morning, flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. Paul does the exact same thing. He simplifies. He makes it easier. Uh, In the book of Ephesians, in fact, in uh, chapters 4 through 6, there's a bunch of do's and don'ts. Okay, there are 613 in the Old Testament. Just in the book of Ephesians alone, there's 60. 60 do's and don'ts. 60 commands, in a sense. Some of them, put off your old self. Put on the new self. Live as children of light. Be filled with the Spirit. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Or the kids' favorite, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And on and on it goes. But what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, is he takes all of that and simplifies. He says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God. Let's pray. God, I'm just thankful for this morning. Um, God, thankful for your word. Thankful for the opportunity to dive into it. Um, And God, I just ask that you help us really focus on on what's important this morning. God, remove distractions. uh, Remove whatever else is just weighing us down. God, let us lift that up to you this morning. God, let your presence be here with us. And uh, let us just be able to rest in you. Let us be able to find peace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So be imitators of God. Let's get through, uh, read through the whole passage. Uh, We're going down all the way to 16. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all good in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. There's a lot in there, a lot of good stuff, but we're going to do our best to tackle it this morning. So, first, and this is uh, my title for the morning, Be a Mimic. Be a Mimic. It starts off saying, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God. Be a mimic. Uh, yes, it is one of the 60 commands, but I, it, it's also a summary of everything. And it says, therefore, so it's pointing back to the passage right before it. And, and the passage Dave just talked about gave a lot of do's and don'ts. There's a lot of do's and don'ts at the end of Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, okay, let me sum this up for you. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. It even tells us how. As dearly loved children. I put this picture up of geese. I have uh, a special heart for, for geese. Um, when I was in first grade, uh, we were supposed to do a report on a, on a farm animal, and everybody chose you know pigs and cows and uh, the, the more common ones. And so I decided I'd do, do it on geese because geese is not quite as common of a barnyard animal. Uh, I mean, they're around here and there, but uh, my grandpa grew up uh, on a farm and had geese on his farm, and so I I did a report on geese. And um, I actually got my report this week and and read it, Um, and I was pretty impressed with how I did for for being in first grade. Um, I got an O+. plus. No, that doesn't mean it's worse than an F. That, that means outstanding. A um, <clears throat> little bit of a different grading system. But uh, as I read through, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. The, this report on geese was just a report of, of how geese live. This wasn't like I was writing a manual to give to geese, to say, hey, if, if you want to be a goose... You know, refer to this, please, because here's all the different things that, that geese are supposed to do. And you're not really doing a good job of being a goose. You know, you're, you're, you're barking too much, and uh, you're starting to grow teeth, and that's weirding me out. So here, please, read this. Um, geese don't need manuals. You know, each one of these geese uh, is a mimic because they're, they're following right after their mother. They watch what their mother does, and they do those things. And that's how they learn to become a goose, is just by following another one and doing what that one does. It says, be imitators as dearly loved children. And I'm starting to catch this with with my little boy 
and, and seeing him start to mimic the things that I do. Uh, you know, some of you might have uh, gotten here early every now and then, and especially when I'm back on the drums, he's standing right there and kind of waving his hands in the air, you know, because he wants to drum as well. And it's just so cute to, to watch him do that. He's mimicking me because he, he, he loves me. I'm his dad. And so he wants to do everything that I do. Uh, I was uh, changing him the other day, and, and I looked down at him, and I was like, good gravy, and, and kind of shook my head like that. And he looked back up at me, and he, he's starting to repeat a lot of the things that, that we say, but he looks up at me, and he says, greavy, and he, and he shakes his head as well. So, so not only does he try to repeat the word that I'm saying, but, but he's mimicking like my every motion. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a little too much. It's starting to freak me out a little bit now, you know. But, but, it, but it makes me so proud, you know. And, and at the same time, it makes me really think carefully through everything that I'm doing because he's mimicking me. But he mimics me not uh, because he, he knows that I have life down or, you know, whatever. He, he mimics me because I'm his dad. And he loves me. And I did the, did, the, did the same with my dad as I was growing up. I mimicked him. Not because he was Mr. Perfect or because he did everything right or because I thought that he was doing better than some of these other people, but just because he was my dad and I loved him. And so I mimicked him. And so here in verse 1 it says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. First of all, the fact that God dearly loves us, but... We need to turn around as, as dearly loved children and, and, and give that love to him as well. And say, man, I, I, I want to be like you. We should be mimicking God in the same way that, that Micah's mimicking me. Or that you mimicked your parents. Well, how do we do that? First of all, we watch what he does. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen God. So that poses a little bit of a challenge, but all you've got to do is open up your Bible. And then you get to see who God is. You get to see what he's like. You know, that whole WWJD thing really rings true here. Watch what he does and mimic it. And then verse 2 gives us uh, an example and some further detail. Verse 2 says, And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here, you know, Jesus was challenged, what are the two greatest commandments? And he says, love God, love people. And here we're get, we get a reminder of that. Live a life of love. How do you mimic God? How do you imitate him? You live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Mimic. Do what he did. WWJD rings true. So to mimic him, we want to be in his image. So let me show you something here. This is an image of an elephant, right? You'd have probably been able to catch that even if it didn't say the word elephant up there. <coughs> but this is a better image of an elephant, right? It's got more detail to it. It's actually a photograph. Um, and you learn a little bit more about elephants from the better image. This side. 
You learn a little bit more about elephants from the better image. Because the more detail that there is, the more you get to learn about the elephant. The better the image, the more you learn about the subject of the image. Now, in Genesis 127, it says that God created man in his own image. So the more that we look like God, the more that we mimic him, the better picture other people get of him. Remember, the better an image is, the more you learn about the subject of the image. And what's the subject of each one of our images? God. We are created in the image of God. We are created to be representations of God on earth. And some of us, the way we live our lives, we're we're more like the cartoon elephant. And people look at it and go, well, I can kind of tell that he's there, but I'm not really seeing it. And others are, are, are living life as the better elephant, being better mimics, better imitators of God, being better images of God. So the second question is, who do you mimic? Who do you mimic? <clears throat> this is, all right, I got to tell the story. This is actually a story about this goose that started following this guy around in the park and they like became friends or something because the goose just, I don't know why, but got attached to this guy and the guy would keep coming back to the park and, and the goose would just bolt right for him and, and just, just try to be his friend. Uh, maybe not the best, you know, the goose should probably mimic a goose instead of him. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, who do you mimic? Who do you mimic? Uh, so down in verse three, it says, but among you, there must not even be, and, and we'll get into the rest of that, but it says, but among you. So this passage is talking directly to believers. Okay. So Paul is giving these instructions to believers, to people that have committed their lives to Christ. And now he gives instructions. Talks about two things. So you get two blank fill-ins today. First of all, who do you mimic with your mouth? Who do you mimic with your mouth? In verse 4 it says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, bless you, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And then verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Who do you mimic with your mouth? Looking at your words. And, and, and who do your words sound like? Now, Dave did just talk about using words and uh, speaking the truth in love and not letting unwholesome talk coming out of your mouths. And, and, and dove into this. And so we're not going to dive too deep into it. Uh, but I did want to go back and re-mention Ephesians 4.29. Because that's a verse that, uh, from a, a young age, my dad drilled into me. And I memorized. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but uh, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And, and I had that drilled into, my mind, uh, drilled into my head by my dad 
because he saw so much value in the words that you say. So much value in the words that you say. And so I've taken that verse and uh, had students of mine memorize it over and over and over again. And uh, when, we, when we go to camp, <clears throat> I sit down with my cabin of guys and I bust out that verse. I said, guys, we're holding to this verse this week. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Think about the words that you're saying. Are the words building others up? Are the words benefiting somebody else? Or are they tearing them down? Because that's a huge struggle, especially for guys. Because they like, I don't want the focus on me. I want the focus on somebody else. So I'm going to make fun of them and, and, and get people laughing at them so that they're not looking at me and my problems. It happens all the time. And you better believe that Micah is going to memorize that verse. And that little guy that's in there is going to memorize this verse. You better believe it. <clears throat> when I worked at uh, In-N-Out, now some of you may think, oh, In-N-Out, In-N-Out's a good Christian company. You know, they got the Bible verses on the, the bottom of the cups. Um, no. <laughs> no. Uh, the owners, uh, the, the founders of In-N-Out were Christians. Um, and the Bible verses are still there, but within a, a store, you know, you're, you're lucky if you get one or two other Christians to work with you. And I had, a, I had a couple of them and, and we were pretty vocal about our faith, but being in that environment, I, I picked up some bad habits and started saying a lot of things that I shouldn't have been saying. And I remember one day, one of my coworkers who was not a Christian calling me out on it. And saying, man, you don't sound a lot like a Christian. Oh, that hit me. That hit me real hard. And so that's why I say, who do you mimic with your mouth? The way that you use your words. The things that you're saying. Are you showing others Jesus? Are you showing others something else? James chapter 3 dives into this a lot talking about the tongue as a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. And and, and it goes even deeper and is very brutal talking about the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And in fact, in your small group questions, uh, it it asks you to, to dive back into that passage. But here's the real question regarding your mouth. Are my words beneficial? Who do I mimic? Are my words beneficial? Who do I mimic? Thinking about everything you say, everything that comes out of your mouth, are they beneficial? Who are they mimicking? So second, first of all, who do you mimic with your words? And then the other thing this passage talks about Who do you mimic with your eyes? Now, yeah, Paul Paul gives us um, a good summary in saying, be imitators of God. You know, here's all these lists of do's and don'ts. But if you're doing what God does, you're you're golden. You're on the right trail, you know. If you're mimicking God, you're, you're headed in the right direction. You're living life the way you ought. But sometimes we need reminders. We need reminders of what God expects of us. And so that's what these next verses are, is, you know, talking about, hey, don't forget, 
watch what you say. And then don't forget, watch what you're looking at. So who do you mimic with your eyes? In verse 3 it says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because they are improper for God's holy people. And then down in verse 5, it says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Those are harsh words. Not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. This word greed uh, is sometimes translated as covetousness. Um, And if you think about greed, greed starts with the eyes. Looking at something and going, I want that. Looking at something that somebody else has. Looking at... uh, something that anybody has and desiring it or looking at the things that you have and saying, I want more. Greed starts with the eyes. In the same way, sexual immorality starts with the eyes. Impurity starts with the eyes. It is so easy to fall in this area. Why? Because, well, we use our eyes on a daily basis. At least, hopefully, right? Use your eyes all the time, all the time, looking around. And this world has not made it easy to be pure in any way, shape, or form. Sexual immorality runs rampant. And we're going to talk a little bit about part of that. We're going to talk about pornography. Pornography is huge. Pornography, the the porn industry, has a higher revenue than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, combined. Take the revenues of all seven of those companies and the porn industry makes more. Makes more. 67%, there was a a study done on a university campus. So people aged 18 to 26 were surveyed, about 1,000. 67% of men and 49% of women agreed that pornography viewing was acceptable. An acceptable practice. Don't think that it's out there. Don't think that it's running rampant. The average age of the first internet exposure to porn, 11. And the percent of 8 to 16-year-olds having viewed porn online, 90. 90%. And the first time I saw that set, I'm like, there's no way. But I looked and I looked and I looked, and multiple sources came back with the same statistic. And I, and I bring this all up, not to say, look at how bad the world is, but to say, look at who we're mimicking. Because 53% of Christian men consume pornography. 
47% of Christians say pornography is an issue at the home. And an internet survey conducted by Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in 2002 found 30% of 6,000 pastors had viewed internet porn in the last 30 days. It's running rampant. It's running rampant in our churches. And I feel like we just don't talk about it enough. It's, it's, it's sometimes a taboo subject. Like, I, I, we can't talk about that. It's icky. It's gross. But it's making its way into our homes, and it's affecting us. It's a problem. It's an issue that is very real. And so we need to talk about it. And I think that's part of why Paul comes back to it. He knows how powerful it is. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I like how he says, not even a hint. <clears throat> I was at a convention last week, and I heard, um, I went to this workshop on porn and sex addiction, and, and this guy who's been working in the industry for, for 18 years, working as a pastor, trying to help people, uh, had, had a very interesting definition and I'm going to explain it because it sounds a little bit, a little bit out there. He says that uh, porn is, is anything that, that causes sexual arousal. And, and what he was trying to get at and what I wholeheartedly believe in is that spending time looking at a racy catalog or watching a show where people aren't dressed as much as they should be can be just as damaging and some people think, well, I don't look at nudity, so, so it's okay. But there are so many other things that people are looking at and, and, and lusting after. And it's just as damaging as porn itself. You're going right down the same road. Right down the same road. And so that's why he says, not even a hint. Not even a hint. Because that first step in that direction is a slippery slope, and it'll drag you right down. So who are you mimicking with your eyes? What are you desiring? Who are you, who are you mimicking? And then in verse 7, he says, Therefore do not be partners with them. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, because... Uh, for because of such things, God wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Don't get involved with this stuff. Your words and uh, <clears throat> your eyes. Uh, that word partners in Greek is uh, semetikos. And it means to share in, to, ha to have a share in, to have a, a, a part of. And uh, I was just at the park with, with Laura and Micah yesterday, and uh, we, we brought this, this blue ball that he loves to play with, and he's running around and playing with the ball. And this, this little girl, uh, probably a little bit younger than Micah, uh, comes up and, and, and smiles and looks at him and looks at the ball and, and grabs the ball. And uh, I watched Micah's face. His countenance just totally changed. And he starts, he turns and he starts running away from her as if like she's trying to hurt him or something and running towards us, like just crying, like, ah, she took my ball. Uh, he has a hard time with sharing. 
Um, now, <clears throat> we're, we're working on it, okay? We're, we're, we're trying to, to help him understand the idea of sharing. But I, I like that picture because that's kind of the attitude that we need to take with sexual immorality, with impurity, with greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. We got to just turn and start bolting the other way. And that's, that's a ridiculous image to kind of think of, but we shouldn't be sharing in that. We shouldn't be partners in that. We should be running the other direction as quickly as possible. Running as quickly as possible. So who do you mimic? Who are you mimicking? When people look at you, do they see Jesus? Or do they see something else? Finally, mimic to perfection. Mimic to perfection. Pursue the light. In verses uh, 8 to 10, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. First of all, that fruit sounds really good. Goodness, righteousness, truth. That's what you find when you, when you have had enough with garbage coming in. Garbage coming in uh, through your eyes. Garbage coming out through your mouth. And pursue light. We're not living in darkness anymore. And it says, find out what pleases the Lord. Again, if you're being a mimic, if you're doing what, what Jesus is doing, then you're going to find out what pleases Him. Find out what He's like and do that. Pursue Him. Back in the day, uh, <coughs> Charlie Chaplin made this, uh, this character very popular. Uh, let, let me read a little bit about Charlie Chaplin. As Chaplinitis swept across America around 1915... Charlie Chaplin lookalike contests became a popular form of entertainment. Actually, <clears throat> the competitions were really contests to see who could imitate the tramp character uh, popularized by Chaplin, as few people would have recognized Chaplin himself without his familiar costume, mustache, and makeup. In fact, if you want to be thrown for a loop, just go to Wikipedia and type in Charlie Chaplin. You'll be, Who's that guy? Because he doesn't have the little hat on, he doesn't have the little mustache. He's just like a normal guy. And uh, the, the hat and the mustache is just a character that he portrayed. Uh, a rising young actor and comedian named, maybe you've heard of him before, Bob Hope, took first prize in, in one such contest in Cleveland. Legend has it that Chaplin himself, Charlie Chaplin himself, once entered and lost <laughs> one of these competitions. The competition took place in a San Francisco theater. His final standing is not recorded, although it was noted that he failed to even make the finals. <laughs> Pretty sad. <laughs> but here's the point I'm trying to make with this. There are a number of other people that entered that contest that studied him so well, so carefully, 
that they made a better Charlie Chaplin than Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> they had studied his every detail. They, they had to, it, it wasn't just a dressing up, but actual acting like him, talking like him. And they were able to produce that. And so when you find out what pleases the Lord, you're going to become more and more and more like Him and start to look more and more and more like Him. And when people look at you, they're going to see Him. Now, yeah, I, I told a rough story about being in and out and one of my non-Christian coworkers calling me out saying, you don't really look like a Christian. And that killed me. And I changed how I acted. I go, i, I got to do something different. And I got to see that the, the fruit of that change a couple months later. I was working behind the counter, taking somebody's order. And, and the person whose order I was taking, I was just, you know, smiling, talking with her, being nice. That's part of my job. And she looks at me and she goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? I go, what makes you say that? She goes, I can just tell. I can see it. And that picked me up so big. That was the boost that I needed. I had started to look like Jesus. I had started to mimic him. So pursue the light, but then also flee the darkness. Run away from the darkness. It's the best way to get away from darkness. Turn on the light. Take a look at verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. And and by the way, that's still talking about Christians. That disobedient there. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. Expose the things done in the dark. Today is the day to come clean. Talk to someone. Are you struggling with your words? Are your words not mimicking Christ? Are your eyes not mimicking Christ? Today is the day to talk about it. Today is the day to do something about it. Today is the day to fess up, to say, look, I need to talk to somebody about this because I'm really struggling. With some of my own struggles in my past, the first time I ever found healing was when I went and talked to somebody else about it because then I had somebody keeping me in check. And that's what Paul's pointing to. Expose them. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible. Get it out in the open, and then people can keep you in check. It's the only way to true freedom. And then finally, don't waste any opportunities. Verses 15 and 16 say, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. I've passed on opportunities to be a mimic of Christ. 
I've passed on, on opportunities that were just hand-fed to me. I was a bus driver up at UC Davis, and I was sitting in a bus, and uh, I had made a CD of some songs that I had written and had one in my hand and, and gave it to one of my coworkers. And she asked me, oh, what are your songs about? And every single song on that album was about my relationship with Christ. But what did I tell her? Songs about life. Passed it right up. Make the most of every opportunity. I had a great opportunity to show Jesus to somebody. And I passed. But there have been other opportunities. And I've learned from that and I've taken them. And it doesn't have to be a a sitting down and discussion and and talking about Christ to to have a a good opportunity to be a mimic. It can happen at work when everyone else is is laughing about a crude joke and you decide to, to say something or you decide to walk away. Or it can happen when your friends are are sitting down to watch a movie and you know it's something you shouldn't be watching and you remove yourself. You go to another room. You have opportunities to be a mimic. But who are you going to mimic? Are you going to mimic Christ Or are you going to mimic somebody else? Let's pray. God, I ask that you help me be a mimic today. That you help me live a life that points to you and doesn't point elsewhere. God, that you help me live a life where people just look at me and know that I'm a Christian. People look at me and know that I have a relationship with you by the way I live. God, please just give me wisdom in how to live. Give each one of us wisdom in how to live. Help us to make the most of every single opportunity that comes by. Because we know that the days are evil. God, we know that the world is trying to pull us in every other direction but towards you. Please just continue to draw us to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.